Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Welcome back to this two-part episode with Michael Kelly. If you're just joining us, make sure you don't miss last week's episode, which was part one, and this is the continuation. So I will drop you in where we left off on the cliffhanger of Michael Kelly in a nutshell. I call a spade a spade. I know that whenever I start a project that I've got an end goal in mind. And my end goal with Jay and Edwards & Co., and Edwards and co-education was to get it to a point where it could operate without me. Mm. And I did that. And I was like, okay. And then COVID happened. And I was like, okay, you know, like I had, I'm in the middle of a lockdown right now. So yeah. I've been out of work for three weeks, actually four, cause I took myself off to Tasmania for a holiday before, um, which was amazing. But <laughs> at least you got you know, it in. Like, <laughs> I know. I was in a five-week lockdown back in 2020. And in that time, a lot of things started to, you know, like recalibrate into my well-being, which was I wasn't traveling. Mm-hmm. I had enough time to connect with myself first, um, my animals, my dogs, obsessed with them. Um, you know, like I was able to look after my health. So I was cooking a lot more. I was exercising freely. My stress levels were dropping and dropping and dropping. And I started to look at, you know, like what was I prioritizing in my life Mm. and what had, what had I been prioritizing and then what I needed to change. And a big part of that was time, you know, like I had a, a failed relationship after seven years, the relationship came to an end. But a good part of those last three, that was going to happen anyway, mind you. Um, But, you know, like a a big part of it was I was never home. I was always somewhere. I was always doing something. Demanding our job. Yeah, incredibly. Especially when, you know, like um, not only do you travel for education to educate the industry, but you also are traveling for education to, you know, like um, educate the group that you work for. So every second week I was away on a plane somewhere, you know, like every three months I was international and it was like, people really think that that is like the the pinnacle, the benchmark of where you want to be. But there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with that. And, you know, like I know personally, Jay sacrifices a lot to have his level of, you know, status in the industry. Um, And it just wasn't something that I really wanted to do 
when you had that step Any, back, anymore. you're able to see, Correct. oh, I actually feel very balanced and full in other as avenues of my life besides just this career element. Correct. And, you know, had I not had those experiences, I wouldn't have felt as fulfilled. But I was at a point where I was like, you know, like, what matters to me? What am I doing? And I'm also, like, as I said before, super realistic, very pragmatic. So I knew that fucking coronavirus wasn't going to be gone in six months. Mm. I knew it. So there, everything changes, you know, like my ability to travel internationally and to connect with my audience overseas from an education platform, gone. My ability to travel domestically and travel across, I was in a national role. So that role changes extremely you know like it's very limiting if you can't travel and connect with the people that you're meant to be connecting with yeah everything changes um and you know like Jay at that point had brought in um to his business a a new head of company who was focused on financials and driving the his business to more commercial levels of success and I knew at that point that I had reached my expiry date Mm. and I needed to segue out of the business, but I didn't really know if I wanted to do it um, so that I would have my own salon and do that whole thing or what it really looked like. So I sat on it for a little while. I saw how it was going to play out. Um, You know, like I noticed that like some of the cultural shifts in the business didn't really align with my cultural um, beliefs and I was like, okay, cool. What am I going to do? So I decided that, you know, like a great thing to do would be open up a salon, you know, because I thought culturally um, when you work for someone else, you can't control the culture because the culture comes from the top and that you can't change that. No no matter matter what, no matter how much you respect or value a person, it's never going to be the same because it's not you. Never. No matter what, as much as he can be saying yes to your ideas, you're never going to have that 100% fulfillment because it's not yours. It's not your correct ability. Yeah, totally. Correct, correct. And, you know, like I realized quickly that the, like where the business, that business is going was very necessary and I had done my job, you know, like yeah. I had done exactly what I needed to do. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to open a salon. What does that look like? And, you know, like from there, I started to connect with people in my circle around, you know, building a a business and building, you know, like from scratch, like what do you need to do? Um, So there was a lot of really talented people who helped me get to, you know, like building a business plan, having an ethos, you know, like um, building like architecture. Did you hire somebody for that or that's your connections that you have throughout the industry? How do you know where to begin that journey? Yeah, it's connections. And, you Mm -hmm. know, like a lot of it just came with conversations with people I trusted. Um, and you know, like these people have been in my life for 10, 15 years, you know? So I knew that everything that I was saying with them was safe. Everything was safe. They know me exactly. And, you know, like one of my clients, she's like an amazing brand strategist, like communication specialist. She's like, Michael, if you want to open a salon, you need to know what you are as a business before you go to market. So she like gave me like the five steps to opening 
launching anything, whether it's a business, a label, you know, like an Instagram product or whatever it is. She's like, this is where you start. No. So I did that, you know, like everything came was coming to fruition, you know, like I found a financial backer. Um, I was working, looking at like commercial spaces. Um, I had like a design team with the financial backer. Is that just somebody who can just financially provide and not in the hair industry? Like, how do you know how to begin that? So my financial, like all of this, everything that happens with me happens through conversation and connection. And, you know, like I was just chatting with a client one day and she was a relatively new client. And, you know, like this particular day, she wanted to to dive deep inside of me. Mm. She wanted to know like where I came from, you know, like tell me about your family life. Tell me, tell me about, how did you get here today and how did you get to be who you are? Like, cause she's like, you're so young and like, I love what you're all about. Like, tell me how you came to be this person. And I was really, I was honest because I knew that like, I felt safe in having the conversation and I told her everything from like, from day one. And she was like flabbergasted and that's a conversation for another day. But, you know, like she was, she was just like, wow. It's like, role reversal, a little bit of being in the chair because normally we're the ones I'm, asking those questions. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like these days I don't ask questions like that. I let people open up to me, but it, everything that happened in this appointment it seemed so right. organic. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, just go with it. And, you know, like you kind of lift your head up and you look around and you're like, whoa, we've been chatting for the whole highlight session. And like everyone else around you is just like, you kind of step back into reality. And I was like, you know, part of that conversation was this is where I'm at in my life right now. Like I really want to open a business. Um, You know, like I have a financial backer and um, you know, like I'm really excited about this change for me. And I, she got a, I had a phone call from her two days later and she said, Michael, I can't stop thinking about mm. you. Like, I'm, I'm really, like, I want to be a part of your life in some way or another that's beyond just, like, this exchange of hair, yeah. you know? And she's like, I, if anything happens with your financial backer, I really want to step in and I really want to be a part of it. And I was like, wow, like, that is the most incredible offer I said, actually, um, B, um, yesterday my financial backer pulled out and she's like, this is meant to be. This oh is God, meant to be. <laughs> it was crazy. And, you know, like, as you can imagine, like, you're preparing to exit a business, like, you're throwing, like, caution to the wind. You're just like, fuck it. Like, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And I um, immediately got into bed with them, you know, like her and her husband. Um, we were having they grilled me. We had a meeting and when they grilled me about everything, they looked at my business plan. They looked at my um, trajectory on figures, you know, like it was two and a half hours sitting in a cafe in Mosman and they were like, okay, wow, you're fucking impressive. Like we, we are on board. And do you think um, that those skills of you knowing those things came from growing a business, like from actually doing that from the beginning with Edwards and Co? Yes. Yeah. And you know, like not only that, like I've had um, leadership positions which have been focused on operations of businesses mm. 
as much as they've been focused on, you know, like the technical side of what we do. So from day one, I was always around the business, you know, and understanding. Correct. So when it came to this conversation where I was talking about pitching myself um, to be a partner with these people, I was, it just kind of flew by very quickly and the conversation was very, um, you know, like natural. So from there, things started to get a little bit more complicated as it went on, you know, like obviously the initial conversation from my um, client and her energy and her passion towards what we could do together was always where it was from the beginning. Um, her husband was on board. He loved the concept. He loved the idea. And then, you know, things get very serious after there because yeah. I was looking at um, a half a million dollar investment, cash capital, straight up, um, to open a salon, right? And that's in Sydney. Sydney is expensive. Yeah, um, very much and so. When I- I don't, I don't, I don't do things in halves. So I was like, okay, cool. We're going to do this. We're going to do it like this. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. This is where you need to position yourself in the market. And then I had a business coach on the side who was another client of mine who is entrepreneurial expert. So she specializes in startups and building businesses from the ground up. And she was my mentor on that, in that capacity on that side. And then they brought in their accountant. And the accountant that they brought in would be the accountant that I was ha- would have to work with on the business um, forever. That's just how it was going to be. I didn't have that an option one to of bring their in. Conditions. Correct. That they use their accountant. And I was like, cool. My business mentor was like, yep, like it's their money. You know, like this is what we need to do. And we all sat together for a conversation. And the conversation was like, it was brutal. Like I was being torn apart by mm. someone who I just met and it really changed that relationship the energy. totally because it's not coming it's from your client who had that good yeah. vibe I totally hear you correct it changed so quickly and you know like things really started to feel different and at this point I had resigned from Edwards and Co and I had started a conversation with a place in Sydney called Salon Lane um they'd invited me to come through and have a look uh at their you know premises and out of interest I was like yeah cool I'll come have a look just to have a snoop just to have a snoop see what they're up to yeah and um from there I was like okay cool that seems cool like this would be a good place to kind of work out of whilst I'm building a salon so I would, I was already committed to going into Salon Lane as like a casual. So, you know, like coming in, doing you some could do clients, clients have some clientele. sort of income while you're building it. Cause we all know Correct. construction and development takes lo- a lot longer normally than anticipated. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that was something which I was like, just covering all bases and, um, Then Christmas happened. So I resigned. Christmas happened. I took off like half of January and I was like, you know, like everything stops over Christmas. Just we all know that, right? Yeah, especially here because it's summer. (laughs) Yeah, the conversations that I was having with my investor really slowed down um, and it gave me a lot of time to think about it. So where we left it was like they offered me um, a specific equity split and I was like, that really doesn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with my circle. um, And it didn't sit well with my, um, like my business mentor. 
and we all just press pause on the conversation. And during that time, I was like looking at the the market, you know, like I saw a lot of really top tier, high caliber hairdressers leaving salons, right? And I was like, oh shit, like this is not just me that's having these feelings. There's a lot of people in the industry who are big players in businesses who are leaving. And I was watching this salon lane just fill up with all of these really cool, talented people. And I was like, okay, cool. So what's happening here is that I'm going to sell my soul to open a salon, which is going to be beautiful, but I don't have team. I don't have people. I had like maybe five people who were prepared to come on board with me. But in terms of recruitment, like I was just watching all of these really valuable people in the industry, just like moving around, you know, like taking back some control over their career paths. And I was like, in terms of like recruitment, it's going to be difficult. So that, and also that we couldn't get to the right equity split got me to a point where I was like, maybe the best option for me at the minute is to trust my intuition. Like I said before, never failed you so far, never failed me ever. Um, And go with my gut. And my gut was saying, stand still, enjoy the change, build up your audience again as an independent hairstylist that's not attached to anyone else. Yeah. See how that goes. Um, Spend time at Salon Lane, build your clientele, you know, like, just get runs under my belt, which are my own, you know, which aren't specifically related to any brand. Which hadn't um, happened kind of for you yet, besides maybe making the move to England and doing that, you're constantly affiliated yeah. with somebody. Correct. That's right. And um, it was a really interesting time for me because I knew that I was like, I had to hustle and I had very quickly changed directions to what I thought I was going to be doing which is hard Um, to do as well you have your mind set on a goal and almost like I have this vision of a salon that if I don't go with that am I failing or am I am I letting myself down totally all the all of like the the village in my head was running wild oh Um, totally I brought it (laughs) I brought it straight 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 back to intuition and gut feeling and I knew that what I was doing was right. And I had a, a really like a great breakfast with my client who was offering me the half a million mm-hmm. capital. And I bought her this extravagantly big bunch of flowers. And I said, you have changed my life and you don't even know it, yeah. but I can't move forward with this because it doesn't feel right. And for me, the most important thing is always feeling good at whatever stage you're at like sometimes things are really hard but you know that it's for the right outcome right it feels good Um, but this didn't feel good anymore and she's like you know what Michael I really admire your decision I'm really disappointed but I I completely agree she's like when the accountant got involved and you know like the dynamics changed she's like I knew that it wouldn't be right for you. She's like, I'm still your biggest fan. I'm so proud of you. I really like, I can't wait to see what you do. Um, And I was most worried about obviously wasting someone's time 
And I was like, I'm so sorry if I've done that. And she's like, you haven't at all. You this is what business is about. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, this is how business is, you know, like you get to this point, you have dreams, you build dreams together. And then if it's one thing that doesn't work, nothing will work. She's like, you actually did the right thing. She's like, I'm so proud that you came to this decision. And I was like, oh, whoa, like things are just, yeah, I felt so much better about the situation. And then that weight that lifted really gave me a lot of momentum to look at what I was doing right now, which was now I'm a freelancer. And I was building myself to a point where I do 100% of everything, you know, like I'm scheduling the clients, I'm ordering my stock, I'm, you know, like the the list of things that you do as a freelancer is uh, unlimited, like it's so long, it's crazy. So one thing that started to happen was a lot of my clients were merging away from where I was um, to where I am now. And a lot of education requests started to come through. And this is my biggest fear when I went freelance. And I'm sure it's the same with every single person when they decide to back themselves is that I wouldn't have clients and that my education business might suffer, but it was the contrary. I had a lot of my clients follow me through a lot of new clients wanting to come and support my journey. And then a huge amount of education requests like, this year, it's 2021, I did, have done more education with salons than I did in my whole, like, wow. 16 years, which has been incredible. Like, for me, it meant that every decision and every risk that I took was worth it. I think a lot of times so, we think that we get those opportunities because of the salons or the people that we're affiliated with and we're yes. either made to believe and I'm not saying that's the case for you but you're you know you're you're given this kind of false pretense that oh you're only doing this because of us because of who our name is in the industry or whatever it may be and going out and doing that is such a a, a reassurance for you that it is you. That's why they yeah, want Yeah, totally. You. Totally. And I think, you know, like um, a really amazing thing is that I will forever have gratitude for the people that I've worked with and the opportunities that we created together. Um, I think that, you know, like when you work at certain levels, the opportunities that you create is very, very double-sided. So it takes one person to, you know, create opportunities. takes another person to make them happen but without the two people working side by side you don't get as much success as maybe you would in other cases so I really felt that moving into working um, on my own brand and for myself and having the assurance of you know like a big education clientele and a big clientele for day-to-day hair I felt so overwhelmed by it and you know, like, yes, it's a little bit hairy in the beginning because legally the logistics can sometimes be quite tough to navigate through. Um, But, you know, like with a really open level communication and seeking legal advice, which is something which I really recommend, um, whether or not you can afford to do private legal advice or legal aid. Um, I was fortunate I have a lawyer and, you know, I was able to run a lot of things contractually via him. Um, I really, 
just regarding, um, you know, like um, restrictive trade, you know, mm-hmm. like in terms of leaving one place and then, you know, either being at a new place or doing something for yourself. Um, so like navigating that kind of like path was kind of tricky, but once like, you know, like Jay and I stayed in regular contact around it and, you know, we both wanted the, the outcome to be that we have a great relationship moving forward. So once that was able to, you know, like smooth out, um, it really was very easy to just jump back on board, um, and just get back into the swing of things, you know? Um, so I've been freelancing now for the past, well, since January this year, it's what are we in like seven months? Yeah. Um, and it's been an incredible learning experience and it definitely hasn't stopped. I'm still learning day to day. Um, There's so like much more to it than you it's think. Mental. It, it's probably a beautiful step to have when you are someone who has a goal of owning a salon because you're doing everything that you would need to be doing for operating a salon but you're just one person at least rather than having Correct. a team the first time you're navigating it and their um you know pay and hours and all of that on top of your own yes you're doing it on a smaller scale which is also just so important because it's actually about you Correct. It's a smaller scale by comparison, but it is a much heavier burden. Yes, exactly. Little, because little, it's yours. My little puppies. Because <laughs> it's all yours and there's no one there to help you. Like, yes, you can outsource like a virtual assistant to take your bookings, which I, I don't yeah. because... I have a very specific tone to how I like to communicate with my clients. Yeah. And I like, I have a very specific way that I like to manipulate my schedule. So I don't like someone else to have the control over that. Um, but, you know, like mainly it's all on you, you know, totally. um, which feels, it feels quite full on at times. Um, but, you know, like it's really interesting watching the industry in Australia kind of open up to the idea of mass um, freelancers. So I mean, like freelancers, not just being like people who work in home studios or some people who rent a chair inside a salon, but, you know, like the perspective of freelancers has really had to change this year because now you've got a lot more people out there doing it for themselves um, and leaving salons. So, you know, like it's been really interesting to see how the industry is um, either uh, adopting or adapting um, or not at all and talking shit about freelancers, you know. It's been Um, the biggest eye-opener for me because, like you said, when you're overseas, That's all I've ever known until I moved here. I'd never been on an hourly rate my whole life, like when I was an apprentice. But I came here and I was like, wait, what? I have to get paid an hourly rate to do a client or not. Why am I? What's the incentive? Like it blew my mind. So for me, watching these conversations and hearing people's opinion on something that is seemingly new to them is so not very normal for you. The, the yeah. industry didn't disintegrate overseas. It's been operating that way from from as long as I've known. It's just right. here. But that's, you know, like the thing is that you only know what you know. Totally. And like yeah. you and I are really fortunate to have an international experience and, you know, like some people who maybe haven't had or spent a lot of time inside, you know, salon land overseas they don't have that same affinity towards the idea of being self-employed or freelancing. Yeah. Um, so it was really interesting to see 
um, how the change was is happening right now. Uh, but it also really kind of made me recheck in on what I want to do, you know, because like I'd left something really stable to go unstable um, with the idea of opening up a business, a salon, right? Um, but, you know, like I feel every day I thank the universe that I followed my intuition and pulled out of my um, original concept and idea because like it's such an unstable time in business Mm -hmm. you know like if I had gone ahead with all of the ideas that I had in the beginning of 2021 I'd be in a really really I'd be in a really like a shit sandwich right now because you know like (laughs) I would like you know yes I'd have a salon yes it would look beautiful but you know I'd also have the financial pressure of investors that I promised that we'd be able to make this much money every single month you know based on um um, an infrastructure or a um how the salon business has looked for so long that is now changing people are like oh there's another way to do it and you would have been yes. coming in at that time. Uh, yeah, so hard. Right. So it was based It was based on what I knew. Um, but, you know, like hindsight wouldn't have worked at that point. Foresight was it's vulnerable um, climate. We don't know what's going on. Um, and, you know, like now I know that, you know, like with all these lockdowns and trade restrictions and COVID being such a prevalent part of our life today, and the amount of, you know, like hairdressers who are moving on from salon land and doing it for themselves, I think I made a really safe decision um, cause, and saved myself a whole lot of stress yeah. and disappointment, you know. Um, and, you know, it kind of made me look at, like, do I want to have a big salon? I'm still not sure. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it opened up a whole lot of possibility for me. Like, do I want to live and work overseas again? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Would I be able to do that if I had a salon here in Australia? No, no. it wouldn't. Because you sign leases and you have contracts and you have, you know, like obligations and, you know, like you have promise to people, people that go beyond just like your business partner, but, you know, like you make promise to your Your team and yeah. And they're so important. Their growth is so important. You can't just walk away from that. Well, I can't, it's not the type of person. I was just going to say you wouldn't, you have this very specific aesthetic and way that you would want it done, which is the point of having your own. And then to be, be going overseas and walking away and leaving that to a manager doesn't seem like your style. No, um, because, you know, like I commit to people and, you know, like that's that was one of the hardest things about walking away from Edwards and Co is, you know, like I had a really close relationship with a lot of the people that I worked with there. And, you know, like I've still been able to help their development from afar, but the day to day I wasn't able to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. Like you you walk away from people you feel like you've let them down a little bit but you know like you have to be selfish momentarily to be able to give back in a big way like at some point and you know like this past year I've really been able to connect and kind of coach and guide people um, in a different capacity about decisions which they're making for themselves and you know like a lot of a lot of people that I'd worked with at some point or another were touching base with me and being like should I go freelance should I do this should I do Mm -hmm. that and I'm like, you know what, for you, I wouldn't like I'd stay and I'd, you know, like be really grateful yeah. for the opportunities that you're getting because, you know, like when you're out there on your own, it really is you're just there 
doing it for yourself. You know, like you have to create your own opportunities. You have to create your own learning. Um, and, you know, like the benefit of being in a salon is that you actually have all of that there. It's people's jobs to make sure that you're invested into. Yeah. This is good salons that I'm talking about. Um, so definitely like, you know, like when people ask me about the freelance situation and like, would I recommend it? Yes, but not before you're established enough to be able to take like, control of everything that's coming your way yeah um and, and I think to be able to create your own opportunities that's happening that's the divide of I think a lot of business owners are thinking that we're advocating for everybody to go on their own and to do- go about that and do that but that's not the case it's an individual case-by-case situation it's not for everybody yeah. I've had the same thing yeah asking totally me, and I'm like I don't think you would I said are you going to be able to leave the salon and take on any client or are you only able to do the clients that are curated from the salon that you've come from you don't know more from that and I think that's also where the business owners are getting upset being like we they're feeling used like people are going in and getting the education from them and then taking on and and leaving but yeah there's so many complexities to that conversation as well because you know like I have and like my experience is quite unique in terms of like um where I've sat in salon land for a long time um because I've been very close to like high upper level management and operations and I've also been on the development and growth side of things. So I understand how much it hurts a business for someone to leave after they've been invested into. Um, I get it from a dollar perspective, what it feels like, um, because I've seen it. Like I've been around, you know, like putting a, a money value on an education experience, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that the only thing that I've been able to say to a lot of salon owners who speak to me about these kind of like um, protocol implementations is if someone's with you for one year and you invest into them, you know, the way that you love to and the way that you see fit, then they decide to leave with what they've taken from you in terms of investment and also with the clients that you fed through to them. Like they're the people that you need to be worried about. But the people who stay with you for three, five, and you know what? I'll probably cap it at that because my thing is if if you're not leaving a business after five years, what the hell are you getting from that business? Like what challenges are you giving yourself? What you opportunities of growth? Comfortable. Exactly. Like it was, you know, in the 80s, you know, 70s, people stayed in brands for, you know, 20 years. Um but as we've merged into like the 90s, 2000s, et cetera, like the, like the time people spend in, like in businesses across all industries is less and less. Um, but it doesn't mean that they don't care about the business. It just means that they're on to the next thing. You know, like that's how we are as people these that's days. That's how we've evolved. So correct. And I think that if you with your like team like if you have someone with you for five years like every year beyond that that they're with you you thank them you know like and you kind of like you acknowledge that loyalty um but also when people decide to move on like it's very hard not to take it personally but also 
you, I would be so proud that they've made the decision to stay with you for that long and now also to take on new challenges because yeah. without the challenges, there's no area for growth. You don't have the same. My biggest learnings have come from when I've sidestepped into other businesses mm-hmm. and other life experiences. And I think that that's something which I really advocate for when I go out and do education inside salons, you know, like salon owners, they bring me in, they pay me to be there. I give the team the same advice and the owners understand. They're like, you're right. Like when they hear my story, cause I, I talked every education I do, my icebreaker is to tell people my story. Yeah. So how I came to be able to sit in the room with them today and do education for them. And a big part of it is, you know, like life experience over technical experience. Totally. And it's the life experience that takes you much further in your careers um, as people and as professionals than the technical experience, because like you, you and said, I both know the same, the same thing in a way, Correct. it's you it's all the same. Yeah. We're all show, We're all teaching yeah. the same thing in a different way. And it's what you say might stick different than what I say, but yeah. they're taking completely different things away from the same class, essentially. Correct. And you know, like I really stand by the, when you get comfortable and you feel complacent, it might be time to think about moving on, you know, because you can really feel that in a business as well. When someone becomes complacent, the energy that they bring and the dedication that they have to their, you know, their work, it often becomes complacent and stagnates. And I personally think that you know, like, and this is personal, this is only my opinion, like, everyone has a different opinion. And, you know, some people might watch this and go like, fuck, what's he talking about? But, you know, like, (laughs) you can disagree, you don't have to agree with what everybody says. And that's totally be the right fit for so many people. Mm -hmm. But I think that the best thing that people can do is like, have that element of risk, and to move on. In terms of development, it does the best things for you. Um, this is also not me encouraging people to just like quit their jobs and like do something different. Everybody, but, you know, like all, all at once now. <laughs> I know, I know. All the salon owners will be like, "Oh my god, that Michael Kelly, what's he on about?" But you know, like they know as well as having come from working for someone else to then getting the you know like itchy feet to then wanting to do it for themselves to maybe going freelance to then opening Everybody a space and having a team everyone has done it. So that's why when I see all of this negativity online where people are like, you know, like this place, you know, like salon lane shit, sweet operators are crap. Like they're ruining the industry. They're ruining the future of the industry. I'm like, wait, you're missing the point in a big way. Yeah. And by being and someone who a stepping stone for you, like your intention is was never to leave and go on your own. Your intention was to build the next generation and get a salon going. And it's just a pause. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And, or not. you know, like even if, or not, that's right. And even if I choose to do this for the rest of my life, the way that I am, like I'm, I would be comfortable with that because I know that I will never stop giving back to the industry. You know, like I just like having our conversation before I told you, this has been my busiest year of my life in education. And, you know, like I'm still giving back to the industry, yeah. like 
regularly. And I think that that's, you know, that's like there's you such a mixed... that's not going to change whether you're with a brand Correct. or not, but there's people who Correct. have no desire to educate. They're not going to educate whether they're in a salon or not. Exactly. And I think that how we go through the stages of like our apprenticeships will change. You know, like I spoke on a, the Instagram live the other day and I was talking about, I think there'll be a, a rise of um, like the colleges who maybe have That's like those fast to, track uh-huh. courses. Yep. Correct. And, you know, like in Australia, people have looked down on it, um, but it's very, very, very common practice in the US and mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, and it's, you know, even common in the UK, you know. So I think that that will change in terms of like that will rise up. Um, but, you know, like I think that everything changes, all industries change, but the how we adapt to the change really says a lot about who we are as people uh, specifically as professionals and you know like the spotlights on business owners and how they're coping with the change right now so I think it says a lot about the business owners and who they are as people um and you know like some people I'll just never get ever and they won't ever get me and that's yeah. completely they don't okay get that desire um, that we have yeah totally no and they also don't get the way that the wheel's working at the moment um and that's okay it's fine. They don't need to get it. But, you know, like people that do get it, like that's when it's like, ah, like those aha moments with people. And they're like, yeah, we get it, you know? And like, I sit comfortably in the decisions that I've made and I sit comfortably in being able to advocate for change in the industry because it needs to happen. Like in whatever sense you're talking about, it always needs to be changing and progressing. And, you know, like, I think that, this is just another one of those changes. I think it's happening. really interesting hearing your story and from the beginning. And I didn't realize that you'd been in so many salons and overseas. And a <laughs> lot of times, like I said, all we know is this five minutes of Instagram or feed that we get to see. And that's, that's it. But there's, totally. there's all these stories and understanding people's dreams and aspirations and how they're going to get there. Um, I think it's really yeah. valuable. I think so too. And you know, like, my whole career has been focused on giving back to people as much as it's been like building and progressing my own future. And that's been something I've been so proud to be able to do, you know, like it's education is a very selfless um, experience. And I think that a lot of people now want to be an educator Um, because it gives them like some type of platform in the industry or across Instagram. Um, But that's self-serving. Those people are just looking at it from like, what can I get from this? Whereas I never went into education thinking, what am I going to get from this experience? It's always been about how am I going to give back? Um, And it goes back to the foundations of my entry to the industry. Totally. You You being the one training the apprentices, if it's in you or it's not, to to be that type of person and if yeah it wasn't in you you wouldn't have been doing it from the very beginning correct but even further back than that you know like when I met Cherie and you know her attitude towards growth and development and you know like how she was as a mentor really like set the bar for me as how I needed to be as a mentor Mm -hmm. and it hasn't changed the direction hasn't changed and I've gotten better at being able to you know like coach people, mentor people, you know, develop people um, and add some career progression for them. But it, the foundations have always been there. They're mm-hmm. always the same. Um, and I think that, you know, like 
the more that the industry has gotten to know me, the more that they've seen that's exactly who I am. Um, And some people might think it's like a facade, but it's like, it's really, it's not, this is just who I am. You can't fake it. You can't, you, you really can't. Everyone can see through that. And it would get very exhausting to not be just being genuinely yourself. But I think it, it's so exciting to watch you coming into this space and really, um, launching again as an educator and blowing up this space over here in Australia and seeing that happen. And that it's, it is backed by you. The whole point is it's your brand now. Like that's, what's so exciting. And I can't wait to watch what comes next. Thank you, Crystal. If you wanted to ask any questions that you had on your mind, you know, um, yeah. feel free. I like I could talk forever. Like this is this is my job, you know. Like yeah, um, I share a lot. So um, we well, could talk for another hour off about the top of my head. Like I love that you've gone through the whole journey and story. But the things that I had had in my mind asking you is navigating those things when you do go out on your own now that you know you have to get an ABN and you have to get these things and now when you're doing education and doing collaborations how are you going about those things with other people like do you create a whole separate entity that is that business so the finances are going into that or is it one going to you one time and one going to Sheree another and what you know how do you that's what's tricky when you're out on your own I think it is. It is. Um, when I work in a collaborative sense, um, and that's one thing that I really wanted to do a lot of this year, um, more of next year, is um, working with educators who I respect um, and also working with up, upcoming educators to, who I personally believe in um, and give them an opportunity to kind of have the right platform to enter the education kind of industry. Mm. Um so I really choose who I align with. I think that's super important. But, you know, like when it comes down to the logistics, it's up to the people that you collaborate with, like how they want to do it. Um, I like to, everything is just done 50-50. So, you know, like generally I would say to whoever I'm collaborating with is if you have a PA that you want to use who can organise everything, please feel free. Otherwise I can have my agent um, do all the organisation. And it's as simple as, you know, some, some salons already have um, like a portal on their websites, which is like a, a store. Mm. So you can put the, the sales of tickets through, through the, like as if the website. Retail. Correct. Or you can do like a, an Eventbrite or there's a couple of ways you can do it. But everything really just goes into the kitty, um, which is collected by generally by either the if the person who has the website which has a retail component mm. it's collected by the salon uh, and then it's just divided by 50 percent and then sent back to everyone um, I run everything through my ABN because like it's just I have the one business which is Michael Kelly colorist um, and it just goes through all of that um, and then you know like it's I if that's happening on the side of the other person I would just send out an invoice, invoicing them for the total amount of what the half of the expenses are. Um, And yeah, like it doesn't, it's not really complicated, but yeah, it's quite simple. But I just think that like all of the like logistical stuff that comes with being a freelancer, you need to keep it simple because if you get in over your head, like it's very overwhelming. So um, like for me, I have an accountant, I have a bookkeeper um, and then I have myself, 
who does a, <laughs> a lot of, you know, everything. Um, but if there's ever something that I don't feel like I know or it brings stress to my day, I outsource straight away. Um, you know, like at the moment, um, I've been working with a designer who's a branding like specialist to develop like a whole logo kit, you know, like a color palette for my brand, um, you know, like an email signature, a price list, all those things. And um, that's something which I really needed to do and I really wanted to do. Um, so I outsourced for it because it's, you know, like I really only ever want to offer an elevated experience for my clients um, whenever they touch base with me, whatever that looks like, whether it's Instagram, whether it's email, whether it's a website. The same flow from everything and recognizable that it is yours. Correct. Um, So, yeah, I just think that like I'm really like one of those people that, you know, like I wouldn't force myself to learn something if it didn't feel right. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'll get zero and I'll link it to my bank account and then I'll send that through to my bookkeeper. Mm. Um, But I wouldn't try and be a bookkeeper if I didn't feel good about it. If it didn't, some people, no, everyone's skewed in different ways. And it's, I have no interest in like churning numbers and reconciling expenses. Absolutely none. If I can pay someone $150 a month to do that, that's money well spent to me that's that's good to know for separating things because it is totally overwhelming in the beginning being like oh my god do I actually do everything and the things that you do want to be you are your client communication because that's what really stands with you and how you would communicate whereas the numbers and stuff is more of a background thing that wouldn't be representing your brand in such a way correct Yeah, cool. And where does the agent come in when you mentioned that you have the agent? What is the purpose of having them and what, yeah, why have an agent? What do they do for you? So, okay. So um, Jordana is my agent. She comes from her agency, which is the Uncommon. Um, And we've known each other for a long time. So this was a very organic um, and very felt very natural, the relationship Mm. that we would have um, professionally as well as personally. And, you know, like I sat with her and I spoke to her and I said, listen, like there's a real opportunity for you to have a colorist on your books because there's not a lot of agencies who have a colorist aligned with their brands. Um, And Australia is changing really quickly around its celebrity value. Um, A lot of, you know, LA's shutting um, a lot of people are moving over to Australia to do with COVID. Um, yeah. And a lot of the big production companies are actually opening up here. Uh, so what you'll find in the next five to 10 years is that, like, you know, we'll probably turn into a little mini LA um, in that capacity. And I said, it's really, like, it's really good for you to have someone on your books. And, you know, like, it doesn't cost her anything to put me on her books. It doesn't cost me anything to be on her books. Um, but what I found most valuable about having Jordana as my agent is now that it's coming for me to talk to brands around, um, you know, like contract agreements around, you know, like working with them, um, you know, like being a partner with brands, um, being an influencer or an advocate for brands. um, All of that stuff is honestly, it's been amazing to have Jordana because, you know, like as a creative, you don't ever want to talk about, dollars to represent your worth 
right? So now whenever I have, you know, conversations with certain suppliers and brands, like it's always like, yes, I would love to work with you. And I only ever partner with brands that I believe in. Um, no amount of money would be able to bring me over to someone who I don't believe in the product. You I don't can't, believe you can't. in the ethos of the people. It's so transparent. You can see straight through it. Yeah. Um, so whenever I engage with brands that I love, I'm like, yes, I'd love to work with you. I would really, I think it would be amazing. I really believe in what you're about. Um, but I'm actually going to hand over the conversation to my agent because I don't talk numbers with brands. Um, and I think that's been so amazing because it allows me as a creative to keep a really solid, strong, you know, creative relationship with the brands. Mm -hmm. Um, and Jordana is really experienced in negotiations. That's her profession. Yeah. Your profession is doing hair color and hers is that. So let the, let the people do what they do. (laughs) Correct. And I was able to, you know, like just recently we had a brand reach out to do for me to, um, partner with them for you know like an ambassador role and like the person who I was speaking to was like you know we actually have a um like a we put your Instagram URL into like a bot on a website which gives us like your dollar value and you know like how much we should be you know charging you for these posts and whatever you do and I was like yeah cool you can just talk to Jordana about all of this Mm. no problems Um, And then when I'm talking to Jordana, I'm like, hey, JJ, like, listen, like black and white is not how it works in this situation because like just because a brand can put it in a URL and put it into a website, that doesn't actually, it's not an authentic representation of someone's influence and reach in the industry, you know, like that's so like basic and black and white around putting a dollar value on them as an influencer, if you want to call it, or a person of influence. I'm like, you know, like my audience is large, my reach is strong, you know, like my engagement with my like audience is really, really, really genuine. And you can't put a value on that type of relationship, you know? So I gave that to her to then have that conversation with the brand that we were working with. And they go, yeah, we get that. Cool. That makes sense. You know, whereas like some people, if they don't have that middleman to kind of have those hard conversations, they might just kind of like go, okay, yep, I'll just accept whatever comes at me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Whereas it's so much easier. And even when I am frontline and having like conversations with negotiations, you know, like I always make sure that Jordana's on the call because like she can pick up questions. She hears something different than what you're hearing. Correct. And brands love it because they actually think they're like, oh yeah, okay. Someone speaks their language. Correct. And, you know, like brands, I have a really clear idea of what I want, a really clear idea of what my future looks like. And, you know, like when brand reps come in and kind of talk to you in salon over your clients, you can't be really direct and clear with them because it's not the right environment to have those conversations. Yeah. So, you know, like when you jump on a call, it's like, then you can be very like frank about like, actually, this is what I see for myself. This is how I see our relationship moving forward. You know, like, and it's, and it's so important nice to, have to know that you can say that. You. Cause I think a lot of times when a brand comes into play, you are just kind of like, Oh, grateful for the opportunity or that they've noticed you, but you actually have a say as well in what is done and how to go about it. And so having that third person there really makes sure that everybody is getting the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And 
you know, like I just, I think it's kind of fun to have someone that I'm working with, you know, like who's in my corner. Um, Cause as you know, like being a freelancer, sometimes you can feel very um, alone. Uh, not that I feel alone. I'm very connected to the industry, yeah. but it's nice to have someone who's on my team, you know, like day to day, if I wanted to call Jordana right now and go, Hey, I've got this idea or this is what's happening. Or, you know, like I'm a, a bit stunted by this. What do you think? I know she'd be able to have that conversation with me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time and going through everything with us and the story from the beginning. And I think it's so exciting watching you come up in your own. I mean, it's always been you, but in your own, like fully on your own and having all these people rise up independently and realizing that there's so much more backstory of how you get where you are and the people who yeah and what makes you the way you are is from those yeah it's really yeah and thank you so much for having me and like giving me the opportunity to tell my story I loved Um, it it's not often you get an hour to kind of like just sit and talk yeah um about the journey because you know like some people look um they might be new to knowing you or they might have followed you for a long time and they kind of go like oh like how's this guy doing it you know and it almost like, seems like this overnight success, which you realize so yeah. quickly is not. And that's what I really love so about not. these conversations and what I learned. You know, you see the people in that moment of them being teaching and educating and on stage or whatever they're doing. But there's a whole backstory that it, it reminds people, I think, to be patient and that it's not an overnight situation. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And that's why like doing this, I hope it actually gives perspective for some people who may be in a position where they're thinking of jumping ship too soon or, you know, like, or jumping ship at the right time, you know, like I really, I believe in everything has a place in time and, you know, you just need to listen to your gut, but you've been able to give me the platform to have that conversation with the industry. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm excited to see what's next and I can't wait yeah, to see where it goes for you. And that I think it was really um, important hearing that there was a vision that hasn't fully, that you didn't go with. And that's okay. Because I think we very often, whether it be in a photo shoot or whatever it may be, as soon as you have the idea, when that doesn't happen, it can be deflating or you feel like you've done something wrong, but really it's opened a whole new world for you that you wouldn't have maybe known existed. And it's going to make you a better leader in whatever way you go about it. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that. Cool. Well, I think we'll leave it there before we end up in the in the double part. I might. I know it's going to be great. (laughs) I love that you have the time, and I appreciate you giving me the time. And oh, thank you. You saved me from lockdown for at least half a day, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.